Welcome back to Dan's Chat Podcast. I'm Martin. And this is Dan. And this is a podcast where two amateur anime enthusiasts do a deep dive on a variety of topics from enjoying all-time millennial classics to modern-day blockbusters. So as you guys might have guessed, today we're going to be doing an anime movie review. And the anime in question is called Stranger by the Shore. Or, At least that's the the English name. Or uh, Uwebe no Etanji, which is the, the uh, I guess, the Japanese name for it. I like how you added a French twist on the the second word because I was just gonna ask you. I'm like, is that a not tra- English? A, a trander? <laughs> yeah, well, I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's not an English word. So I'm like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it, it mean it means stranger in French. So it's like it's literally stranger. Like so, this is like kind of like a sh- I, I guess umibe means shore. So shore is stranger. That's interesting. Do you know why they did a French like inserted a French word in? Is it based off like a French story? I mean, if you think about how we watch animes, there's a lot of borrowed words, even from English, right? So it's not surprising yeah. that there's a, there's definitely a little bit of borrowing from French as well. And I've seen that in animes as well, but they do borrow a lot of French words. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I think it's my first encounter with a French a French word. Because I'm uh, like... I, I'm I fairly sure that it's it's present. It's just not like maybe blatant. So we know names of uh, things or whatever. Yeah, maybe. Maybe I just missed it. That's all good. Anyway, yeah. so today we are taking a review on Uve no Etranger, or Stranger by the Shore, which is a... And I'm reading a summary here. It follows the story of a guy named Shun Hashimoto, who is an openly gay aspiring novelist living in Okinawa, who is abandoned by his parents after coming out to them, and as well as another character by the name of Mio Chibana, who is a reserved orphan high school student who is often found spending his time by the sea. And one day, the two of them meet on the beach, and Shun is instantly captivated by Mio. Days fly by, and they slowly begin to grow closer until Mio suddenly announces that he has to leave for the mainland. Three years pass before a 20-year-old Mio returns to Okinawa to confess his love to Shun. And however, in those three years, Shun's life has changed. Will he be able to accept Mio's feelings and make such a commitment? As Mio <laughs> boards the ferry, he promises to call and ask only one thing of Shun, to wait for him. Three years later, with no call, Mio returns to clear his romantic feelings with Shun. But why is Shun so hesitant? Question mark. <laughs> so, so that was yeah, that was just a, a short plot summary for uh, listeners at home. We didn't go into every single detail, but as a warning, uh, we will talk a lot about the movie, and there will be major plot points spoiled for everybody. Yeah. So, for the best listener experience for this episode, if you guys watched the movie already. I think that would help a lot. And if not, you can still listen along, but just be warned, there will be major plot spoilers. Yeah, and uh, in addition, that in this movie, there is a sex scene, so we might dive into that a little bit and have some discussions on that. Being a movie based around two boys or men who become 20-year-olds and continue their love story, um, there'll be a lot of queer-related topics. So if that's not your cup of tea, that's all good. Uh, You can join us back, you know, two weeks from now. All right. So to begin, let's just talk a little bit about our two main characters, Shun and Mio. So beginning with Shun, as we mentioned, he's estranged from his family due to his sexual orientation. And more notably, his father was unsupportive of him coming out. And to give a little bit of context around that, when Shun was younger, he did have a childhood friend, a female childhood friend specifically, uh, whose name is... Sakurako. Sakurako. See, I was going to say Sakura, uh, Sakura again, and I'm like, that's not it. Okay. So Sakurako, uh, yeah, they were childhood friends. They went to school, like elementary school, high school together, and they made a childhood promise at that time to to be married. And so they eventually became engaged. And I believe it was almost at the altar level of, of when Shun decided to come out. He couldn't bring himself to marry Sakurako because of his orientation. And so leaving her and calling off the wedding, his fam or his family, mainly his dad, didn't take it well at all. Mm. And from that point onward, he did move away, uh, as we mentioned, to live with his grandmother on that island. Yeah, I would have to add that when like on there, were, there was a scene where they kind of portray that wedding day. I'm, I'm not really convinced that he particularly called it off because at, during the course of the movie, we learned that Sakurako is... You know, while she does love Shun as an individual, she also recognizes that he does not, he's not romantically interested in her. 
or like he might be on a certain level, but he's definitely not sexually interested in her. Yeah. Um, I would go so far to say he's probably not romantically interested in her. Yeah. The, the, I mean, I think he values her as maybe like a friend. A close friend. But, yeah. Yeah. But definitely not romantically, at least given what we saw from the movie. Yeah. So I wonder if, and part of this is that, folks, is that this was adapted from a manga and drama CD. So, and Martin will talk about this in length later on, but, you know, one of the criticisms of the movie is that because it's only about a 15-minute film, there's a lot of parts or portions cut out from it, um, leaving plot holes at times. So sometimes you're not getting a full picture, but you only get kind of the main picture, which might not be enough for a, a comprehensive understanding mm-hmm. of the story. So we don't know if Sakurako actually, you know, calls him out and says, you know, do you really want to marry me? Was it a, you know, mutual separation or did she come to realization that it's this is not going to work out and decides to call it off? Yeah, we don't have the full details on that, at least just yeah. based solely on the film. But yeah. for whatever reason, the wedding was canceled. Yeah, I mean, I really to shoot in, in many ways, you know, like having parents who aren't supportive of him. Like, you know, my experience is quite similar. You know, his father was very angry yelling and i think in many ways for a 17 year old it's kind of hard to swallow uh in terms of all these emotions and feelings and certainly i i can't imagine how hard it must be for him you know i mean i know he's a fictional character but it's still kind of it's tough for sure yeah and i guess just more into a little bit his backstory he didn't have the the nicest childhood we did see several scenes of him when he was younger and still in school uh, where he was kind of isolated and shunned by his classmates, whom, for one reason or another, suspected that he might be gay. Mm-hmm. And so they they kind of isolated him and shunned him for it. And yeah, it sucks. I, I can, I mean, I'm, <laughs> I haven't lived his scenario per se, but just the idea of being shunned by your, both your family and your, your fellow classmates yeah. and, and friends, it's... It's not not a very pleasant experience, to yeah. say the least. I mean, like, and just to take some quotes from, like, his classmates who are from the movie, you know, they think, I mean, I'm sure they were joking. You know, it's like, oh, man, he sits beside me. We're done for. Or, oh, man, I don't want to be near him. It's like those kind of things. So these are the kind of microaggressions. And that would be joking in nature. Like, as kids, I get that, you know, maybe their, their intention isn't to harm Shun, per se, but perhaps building camaraderie, building, building a network community. But I think these microaggressions do have like a long, long standing impact on people like Shun. No, so I, I think his classmates were just assholes, <laughs> like straight up. Kids are kids are just stupid, man. Like, yeah. mean, not all certainly, but like a lot of the kids just don't know what it is. And we always say, oh, kids are just dumb. And I'm sure to a degree that's true, but who enables these kind of beliefs or dumb behaviors in Part of it is lack of informed information. Part of that is these discussions not happening enough or not being done at home, which perpetuates this behavior. Mm-hmm. And I think they just well, I mean, it's like a it's a bit of like an echo chamber, right? It perpetuates yeah. from one student to another. Yeah. But I think regardless of whatever it is that they're making fun of him, whether it's his sexual orientation or whatever. Yeah. When you say it's like, oh, I don't want to sit next to him, or I'm done for. I don't want to be associated with him. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't take a genius to realize that it might be hurtful if, if yeah, if he sure. heard that, for right? Sure. So, yeah, personally, I think his his those classmates at least were just were yeah. just assholes. Oh, <laughs> I, like I'm not I'm not I'm not excusing the behavior. It's it fucking sucks. But I'm just trying to put a little bit of grain of salt on that. Just you know, take it from another perspective. And certainly, like for myself in high school, I definitely have, uh, have had microaggressions as well. So I felt it. I know what it feels like. It it's not great. It's isolating, and while I pulled through it, that's not everyone's story. I'm sure a lot of folks struggle deeply, right? And I've shared with you some lists from Reddit, Martin, but like you know, with threads from like 90s millennials, and one of the most common trends from the 90s was blatant homophobia. It was like hyper accepted, even among our peers. I'm sure when you were a student, you know, high school, elementary, elementary school, that's so gay was a very oh, common absolutely. phrasing. You know what I mean? And, yeah. you know, myself too, I was I was guilty of that as well. You know, yep. be, even being part of the community, that's just one way you just kind of, this is the lingo you go with to kind of stay with the in crowd. Yeah, it's uh, it's unfortunate just looking back because I think it was just so commonly accepted. Would you have scolded like, yourself if you met your met your met your younger self? 
Oh uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'd be like, bro, what the hell, man? Yeah. Just because they're different, like a, a person is different from you, yeah. doesn't mean you should hate on them. Like you're different too. Do you enjoy being hated on? No. Okay, then don't do it to other people. Yeah. But yeah, so it's interesting just to just take a small step back and just think back to life during high school, during elementary school. Right. I think it's mostly during elementary school because in high school. Yeah, I think there was more of education around it, especially if there were students within your school that that were gay. I don't think it was ever called out explicitly, like so and so student is gay. Yeah, but it was talked about how it's like, hey, it's not not that cool to yeah to make fun of other people. And frankly, I don't remember pride being that prominent in high school or even elementary. Like, I don't recall it being like. Nowadays, like Pride's pretty front and center in our schools, uh, in our communities, even. But back when, at least when I went to school, that was not a thing. It was it was such a corner of the school. I think during high school is when I first learned about the term the LGBT. Well, at that time, it was just LGBTQ. Yeah, and then the other acronyms were added on later on. Yeah, but I think that was the first time I heard it, and I'm like, wait, what is this acronym? Right, because I I think we did have. Now this is just, this is from memory and it was from a while back because high school was a long time ago. But I think we had an LGBTQ like alliance or club yeah, or something we, along the lines. We, we, we also had a gay straight alliance. Yeah, but definitely no such thing in elementary school. Yeah, uh, and so that was kind of that behavior and kind of lingo and and vocabulary was rampant yeah. in high school. I, I th- or uh, sorry, elementary school. I th- sure. Yeah, I think that's why, right? Because it yeah. wasn't at the forefront of our education institutions that people just don't know and yeah. as such the like you said echo chamber the it carries on to the next generation um and certainly the newer generation it's not perfect but they have more opportunities to self-express which i think is fantastic for sure um and, you know even shows like this where there's drag race or this queer content has been slowly on the rise not everywhere but the fact that there are some representation i think that's like fantastic I think it's definitely getting better. And just to jump ahead a little bit to my general thoughts of this movie, this is the first time, at least for me, that I've seen a an anime film or any anime really with openly queer characters, and that actually that being the main theme of the show. Yeah. And so I I thought it was a refreshing take, to be honest. I again haven't seen anything like that before. I think it might have been just very loosely suggested in like yeah. a couple other movies or shows that I've seen. Yeah. But uh definitely not openly talking about it. So I think it, it is it is great that something like this is is happening and mm-hmm. it's I hate to just say oh you know it's being more progressive, but I think it does help different groups and different communities from around the world. Yeah. be introduced to to kind of this type of culture and and this community and that it's okay it's not something that's uh strange or wrong or bad or anything Mm -hmm. but you know Uh, it's like it's i mean there's still a strong representation of folks who are hyper against it even countries who have laws against it yeah Um, unfortunately but we'll we'll see hopefully there's going to be more push even if you look at the recent like celebrity news was it the baby or something there was a whole scandal about that about sorry about what? It's a rapper by name of Da Baby, Da Baby, D A B A B Y. Okay, <laughs> I, I know. So I didn't. I I haven't heard of this. So yeah, essentially he made the remark something along the lines of in like twenty years from now, it's not it's not gonna be okay to be straight because of the the queer movement of people like Little Nas X and things like that. And mm. it's like that's not true. That's not. That's not what what we're going for. We're just going mm-hmm. for acceptance. Is that's all we want? And not to get too sidetracked, but sure. I've heard like I th- I'm pretty sure you've heard it as well from either whether from celebrities or from individuals sure. uh, that it the the same kind of feminist movement is happening, and people yeah. are worried that's like oh uh, soon I'm just not allowed to say anything masculine at all or yeah. something and. Whether it's a joke, whether they say it as a joke or not, I, I do hear more of these type of comments now. For sure. Well. Okay, so like, I'm not gonna say there's not there's not extremists in the communities, yeah. whether it's feminists, queer, etc. There are extremists, but 
at the end of the day, you shouldn't, as with any kind of comedy, it doesn't have to be just about this. Comedy shouldn't be something that is at somebody else's expense. It's not laugh at you, we laugh with you. You know what I mean? If you're if we're on a roast and the theme is Martin's roast, Martin should be laughing with me when I roast him. He shouldn't mm-hmm. feel like I'm attacking him. And that's the thing. Like I think it has to be like if you're gonna build up jokes for it, everyone should be involved. Everyone should feel like no one's put on a lower level than somebody else. I think like jokes are for. I mean, at the end of the day, it's just it's just for fun, right? Yeah. Everyone's just here to have a good time. Yeah. So and yeah, yeah. like poking at people here and there, sure. But yeah. let's make sure it's not going overboard. Yeah. And I guess overboard, I, I say it loosely because overboard is different for everybody. Exactly, for sure. And like at the end of the day, yes, you can joke, but it shouldn't be at the expense of somebody else, you know. And like that, there are there are definitely neutral jokes you can make that aren't gonna be detrimental to somebody long term but let's go back to shun for a second so you know shun has at the age of 17 has gone through a lot of trauma gone through a separation from his fiance sakuriko uh estranged from his family uh living in a new place trying to make it as a novelist an openly gay novelist at that which is pretty 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 difficult i would imagine in many ways he has a lot of internalized homophobia and we'll touch upon that during the podcast which I think was really interesting about him. So he's very confident. He's, you know, he knows what he wants. But at the same time, there's a lot holding him back because of traits that demonstrate internalized homophobia. Why don't we talk about Mio? Uh, Mio Chibana, which is his partner uh, later on. Yeah, so Mio is our other main character. And so at the start of the movie, we're, we're shown him sitting on a park bench by himself, just looking at the sea. and. He does this, I think, over well, maybe every night for a period of time. It's not clear how long. And he's there looking very lonely. And we la- later find out that it's because his mother passed away recently. And so, uh, as one might imagine, when a young high schooler or elementary school, um, your m- single mother passes away, mind you. Uh, dad was never in the picture for him. It's, it can be very sad. And we even see flashbacks of when Mio was maybe very small with his mom. He has a fondness for curry, which his mom is happy to to cook for him. But <laughs> sometimes he also wants to eat other things like crab. And I think there was one kind of sad but touching scene where he asked to have curry for dinner and mom suggests, well, why not? We try something else since we already had curry. And then he shows up this picture of like a really fancy seafood dinner that's really expensive. Mm-hmm. And, and mom is just kind of shocked for a moment and surprised because they also come from an like a, a poor family, a little bit more impoverished. And so money wasn't always around. And so as young Mio reads the shocked expression on mom's face, he's like, oh, uh, is, is today going to be one of those no money days? Oh my God. Which, uh, <laughs> just, it was kind of funny, but also sad because like the idea that this, this young kid already has an expectation where there are days where they don't have enough money for food. I think it's a stark reality that is... I mean, for Mio, it's kind of really interesting that he caught on to that and like he's really open and straight up about it. And one thing about Mio is that he kind of has no filter, which we'll like kind of learn later on. He has a kind of innocent, straightforward awkwardness that makes him really endearing, but at the same time, you know, makes people awkward at times. Can you imagine as a parent, Martin, that you're, you're you know, let's imagine you came from an impoverished family. Um, you don't, your, your money bills are a little bit tight, can't really be open this month. And, you know, it says, Dad, uh, I want crab tonight. And I can only imagine, like, how would you feel if it's like you, all you can provide him is not crab, but crab rolls, imitation crab? Yeah. So it's funny. Yeah. Like, <laughs> they flip to the next scene and you just see a bunch of, like, the imitation crab, which is, like, pretty the relatively sticks. cheap. Yeah. They're basically fish sticks. It's not even crab. It's made of fish, yeah. for those of you who don't know. Um, and it's relatively cheap if you go to, like, a yeah Asian grocery store. And, and yeah, like, uh, I think I'd feel pretty shitty as a dad, to be honest, because while... I mean, yes, crab might like fresh crab might be expensive, but I would like to be able to provide uh, my child with, you know, a treat once in a while, a nice dinner, not just always whatever is cheap and available, at least even just sometimes, right? It doesn't have to be all the time, not like fancy meal every day, but 
Yeah, I'd feel pretty shitty if I wasn't able to provide something like this for my yeah. family. I think it's just like it's such a shame that, you know, the mother, you know, I mean, mother is going through a lot too, you know, the father as a single mom too. Single right? mom, dad has moved on, passed away. We'll 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 learn that, you know, the relationship was not bad considering Mio visited both of them at the graves um later on. But I'm sure the mom was like, it's really tough. It's tough for her to provide. Mio was like a champ through it all. Even when he provide, was provided crab rolls instead of real crab, he was like, I think he's just really easy to please. He doesn't. I don't think he knew any better at, back then. He's like, oh, this is crab. This is delicious. Awesome. <laughs> and he yeah. was so happy with it. <laughs> yeah. Mio's really great. I, I really like him a lot. He's very endearing, very straightforward. And I think he wears his heart on his sleeve. And I think that's like, that's one like cornerstone about him as a character. In one scene, he creates rice balls uh, for his mother, you know, to give her a break. And he makes a little mess in the kitchen, but, you know, he makes like he makes his, these little basic rice balls for his mom. And you'll we, we see in a few scenes where he does make these rice balls. And I think it's, it's his way of showing affection for people he really likes um, when he makes these rice balls for them. How, how would you feel if uh, your child one day woke up, woke up and said, hey, dad, you don't have to make breakfast today. I made your rice balls, but the kitchen's a complete disaster. Honestly, I'd be impressed. I'm impressed as heck because, well, I think from that scene, I'm gonna guess he was like maybe like five or six years old. Yeah, like he was really, really young. Yeah. If my six year old learned how to cook, I mean, even even if it was just rice balls to make make rice. Yeah. And like somehow form it into a ball shaped, with hopefully some seasoning of some kind, <laughs> and serve it to me, I'd be like, yeah. Like even if the kitchen's a mess, like he's six. Like what what is he gonna do? So I'd be impressed as hell. Uh, I would definitely teach him the, the uh, I guess the, the practice of cleaning up <laughs> afterwards, but yeah. still hella impressed. Like, and it was for breakfast too, so your kid woke up before you, and cooked for you at six years old just to give you a break and to to please you. I think I think that's amazing. I don't know if any, or if many or any six year olds do that nowadays. May, I mean, yeah. may, I'm sure maybe there are some, but like I don't. Th- <laughs> I'd be impressed as like for sure. Yeah, I mean, he's really cute. He's great. So one thing about Shun, uh, not Shun, but one thing about Mio is yeah. that at the end of the movie, we we learn that he says he likes girls, but he does end up falling for Shun. So his sexual orientation isn't exactly explicitly mentioned in the movie, and perhaps it's covered in the manga or the drama, drama CD. But what we kind of understand is that Mio is not completely gay. I think that was an interesting point because they don't talk about it at all. It was only within the last, like, maybe like 10 minutes of the movie where it was just brought up. So I'm wondering if, at least from the perspective of the movie, that it maybe it didn't matter because the central theme of the movie was his relationship yeah. uh, between Mio and Shen and I guess the love they have for each other. Yeah. So maybe it doesn't matter what he is. Maybe that's not the point. Maybe the point is just that two people, regardless, can just love each other and have a meaningful or filling relationship and that yeah. should be okay yeah at least that was that was kind of my take on it definitely i i agree with that maybe that is the main point of the story but i think part of it is we have we probably have to go back to the manga and take a look one thing sure. i did enjoy about the movie was that it did not shy away from the discomfort and of the journey of being a queer individual right it showed the difficult sides of shun coming to terms with sexuality dealing with his classmates as well as just like liking uh liking someone from a distance but what is different is that sakurako is kind of his like background cheerleader during his journey she was an interesting character yeah so i think as we mentioned earlier like they were childhood friends so they grew up together yeah and i think it's it's great that he had someone for him that was accepting of him and i think it's later even revealed that that she did have a crush on him like she would get him valentine's day gifts and and so on so i think i'm I'm just imagining if things well I'm, i imagine they would be quite different if she wasn't around for him yeah. growing up yeah i mean she's even though she has she has a lot of love for him she wants to marry him she's also like why don't you just ask that boy out because he, he she sees that she's checking someone out at a distance and like she's like why yeah. don't you go ask him out why don't you just you know go for it she's so it's really interesting that while she's she wants to marry Shun, she's also supportive of him to pursue uh, what he wants in life. I think that's an interesting point, and I have seen that in other other anime uh, films or, or shows as well, where there might be a bit of a love triangle, but it's is never overly filled with drama and hate and backstabbing as you might see in a more 
Western TV programs. Yeah. Whenever there's a love triangle. A lot of the time I see one just trying to be supportive of the other. Even if they both like the same guy or the same girl, then it's like, nah, you go for her. And just to their own loss, they'll still encourage it and try to ship it. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is actually something I, I really appreciate. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, I think it shows a certain strength of character as well. Definitely. To be able to sacrifice. Because uh, it is a sacrifice of your own yeah. desire in support of your close friend. Because at the, end, and at the end of the day, you just want them to be happy. So, like we mentioned earlier in the pod, so Shun and Mio lives on this kind of remote island, and uh, Sakurako enters enters the movie in the context of bringing a letter uh, discussing or trying to inform Shun that his father's health is like slowly declining, and that at some point he should go and you know see them again. Shun is initially reluctant to go back, and certainly makes sense with a lot of trauma, being estranged and all. You know, what do you think about that? I think, so to be honest, I'm, at least where I'm thinking, I'm more in line of Shin's initial thinking. I I can empathize with that more, which is that these people have, they have essentially shunned him and pushed them aside and pushed them out, right? Rejected him for who he is. And so I think I'd be mad as fuck too (laughs) if, if somebody did that to me, irrespective of whether they're, a yeah. friend or family or whoever. More so if they're a family member who's supposed, supposedly supposed to accept you for who you are. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, as we see, Shun in the beginning doesn't want to go back. Yeah. He's like, nah, I'm, <laughs> I don't care. Like, he doesn't want to. Yeah. But after some conversations and convincing from Mio, he, he does decide to at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And I think to Mio's point, he says one line, which is kind of simple, but I really like. So given his background, which is, again, Mio's mother dies when he's very young. He tells Shun that, you know, when people die, they're gone. Uh, they're, they're, you can't talk to them anymore. And it sounds kind of obvious in the beginning, but I think it was a powerful point for Mio and I think for Shun to realize because despite what happened, there could be a potential of making things right again. Because at the end of the day, I think, I think Shun would also like to have a better relationship with his family mm-hmm. right because they're your family they're your parents so i'm glad to see that he kind of came around to it but uh, i can definitely empathize with his initial thoughts of like nah i'm not going back <laughs> like these people are terrible to me yeah i mean like I, i'm definitely in that position i think there's still a lot of tension between my own folks and myself and there's still like i think it's still there our relationship has been kind of been stagnant kind of sta- stale but it it's unfortunate, right? Because as you said, you, you would hope that a family would have with a lot of love for each other, but we, we just don't have that right now. And if they do, they have too much pride to express or come around with that. So they would rather I think at least my perspective right now is they would they would rather bring it to their graves than express that maybe it's okay. Or they would they would rather go to their grave with their stark beliefs than to come around and, you know, embrace the sun. I think that's that's really sad. I because mean, I mean that's that's just the reality right now. We know what can we do. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. It's I think that's really sad because it's regardless of, and obviously this is just from my own perspective, sure, my sure. own opinion. But regardless of their orientation, their personality at the at the end of the day, their personality is still the same. Mm-hmm. They're still. It's not like they're an evil person that's out to murder people or anything. They're not yeah. a bad person. Yeah. And this quality trait doesn't make them bad. Yeah. And so if we can't even get around to it's like, like if, I mean, it's just, it's just a simple fact of knowing or not. Mm-hmm. Like it, if a shun didn't come out. Yeah. Does that make him all of a sudden a better person? He's still going to be the same person. Yeah. Which I don't know. It's just, it's really sad to me that we have to have so much. Uh, I don't even know what you would call it. So much hate or, or disdain or whatever it is for people who are just different and not different in a evil or malicious way. They're just different in terms of like they're uninformed is like, yeah, it's the biggest thing there is uninformed and they're not actively looking to try to be more informed. Right. And just think about us, you know, our high school days weren't that long ago, maybe a decade mm-hmm. or a bit more than that. It was <laughs> it felt pretty long ago. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, but think about that 10 ish years ago, that like we didn't have much in our own in our own yeah. upbringings 
if you imagine how much how little we had you gotta think about like how much they had growing up which is probably yeah. like nothing right so I, I, yeah. it's not that like i'm excusing them but i understand where they're coming from but mm-hmm. it just sucks that they favor and you know i verbatim why you know if china does not accept this why do you have to be this way so like what i understood from that conversation was they value china over their own child despite moving to canada despite leaving the country probably because they want a better life they still at the end of the day think china takes precedence over their son and again to me that's just that's just really sad so this ambiguous figure or political body while like i have no issue with people who have a love for the country and they're nationalistic great yeah that's that's great that's fantastic but we're talking about your own child like (laughs) i i don't know how it can get more more personal and more intimate than literally your own child yeah right yeah but but anyways yeah yeah i i think i I feel for for Shun in this case. While understanding, yeah, there might be a lot of cultural and historical context around it, yeah. and it's not saying that it's necessarily easy to change. Yeah, but yeah. So going back to the love triangle between Mio, Sakurako, and Shun, it's very interesting. Um, it is. I think there was a point I wanted to mention earlier too. Sure. But when when she comes back, I think she's pretty forward in her own way as well. Yes. And in, in addition to that, the letter from, from Shun's family, and this is just based on memory, but I, I think she has a line where she's like, oh, I'm, I'm going to take Shun back. Yeah. Like she was pretty forward with her intention to make Shun hers again. Of course, she hasn't met uh, Mio at this time. So yeah. this would be her first encounter meeting him. And she is not aware of their relationship, at least when first coming back to the island. But, uh, yeah, I, I like how she was so determined to to turn this ex-fiance, yeah. whom she knew is gay, uh, and she accepted herself that that he's gay. Yeah, but she she just wants to marry him. <laughs> yeah, she's like in denial. Yeah, I I, I don't know if it's denial or it's true because she 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 knows accepts, but she's still because yeah. she, she accepted in high school and. There's, I don't think there's any reason to believe that suddenly he'll just flip on a dime and be like, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not gay anymore. Like, <laughs> yeah. So at one, in one particular scene, she takes a ride with Mio and she asks Mio to give, give her a tour of the island. And Mio's, you know, nervously accepts for obvious reasons. And he ends up taking her up to the mountains. And one, one thing that I found funny was that she just asked him straight up, have you had sex yet? Super forward. And... <laughs> I mean, I mean, okay, maybe I'm just trying to put my, myself in that situation. If if I came back to like a hometown yeah. from a long time ago, and the the person, guy or girl, whoever I used to like, is now someone else, I, I don't know if I'd be forward or brave enough to just openly ask, "Hey, did you guys fuck?" Sex? <laughs> like it's just, it's just like, like what? <laughs> yeah. Right. I might not even want to know the answer to, to be honest. Yeah. I'm like, you know what? Maybe just, just don't, don't, don't tell me. <laughs> so to preface this particular scene, Mio has been very aggressive in his advances on Shun. Mm. Before they confess to each other, uh, well, actually, no, Mio confessed, confessed immediately, but before Shun, <laughs> before Shun reciprocated his feelings, yes, you know, he took a few dives at him to kiss him, but Shun just, you know, you know, avert, like, you know, ducks out last minute. Uh, and at one point, Mio's like, let's have sex. He's like, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> even let him put it. yeah. So just jumping back to Mio, he's, I think this is the thing that I found interesting about him as a character. As we mentioned, he, he's very forward, almost awkwardly, uh, to a point where, I, like, I think the first, the first scene when he comes back to the island, and the first thing he does when he... Uh, meets Shun again. Uh, it's much to Shun's surprise, but Mio is moving into um, the house where he's living in. So they're going to essentially live together. Yeah. And he confesses that he's back and he likes him and just just goes in for the kiss. And he's like, uh, no. And then he's like, uh, let's go do something else. He just dips out and yeah. makes up some excuse. And it, yeah. he just doesn't seem, Mio doesn't seem faced by it. He's like, and he just tries again later. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm so curious as to, because I just found that so interesting. Like, where does it come from? Because 
I mean, he's offer, uh, obviously suffered his own losses with, you know, the loss of his mother. But where does this, like, I don't know if it's courage or just ignorance of everything else. But he just, he just, he just goes for it. And if, he, if it doesn't work out, he just tries again. Yeah. Like, it's nobody's business. Yeah, it, it's kind of interesting. And so going back to Sakurako for a second... It was discussed in the, sh- in the movie that she has had sex with uh, Shun before. Yes, but, it was well, suggested. It was suggested, but what's interesting yeah. is that they never they never kissed despite having sex. I think yeah, I, I found that interesting as well, and I think it goes to the point of the act of kissing might be a sign of more romantic affection, whereas sex can be seen as just a deed or even a duty. Yeah, in s- some circumstances. And I, th- I think that was an interesting point because a little bit prior to that uh, scene in the movie, Mio and Shun had like an intimate conversation. Yes. About how I believe Mio asks him if he's ever done it with a guy before. Yes. And then he was saying not with a guy. Um, he hasn't even kissed the guy because he hasn't confessed to any guy that he liked prior, yeah. uh, at that point. And so I think for Shun, he views like besides just sex, but kissing as well as something that's him showing his actual romantic feelings for somebody. Right. And so it just, I'm just thinking back now and maybe that's just, there's more historical context to it. So at the point of Shun and Sakurako having sex, yeah. did she know that he was gay at that point or not? Like was it before or after she found out? I think she knew at a time. I think she just... But- but they went for it anyways. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's very common for uh, gay folk to have had heterosexual relationships. So I think yeah, it, it's very possible. Maybe he just tried it for sake of, eh, let's see how it goes. Maybe. But I, I like how, so like right after that scene, Sakurako, after realizing that Shun wouldn't um, fall for her, uh, she was willing to give him up to Mio, so to speak. Yeah. But as a final act of of just letting go, she requests Shun for a kiss. Yes. And so, I honestly, I think Shun was all for it. Like, he was okay with it. Yes. Um, <laughs> maybe it was his close friend, because he doesn't literally just say okay, but he, he just approaches her, like he's going in for it. And then Mio suddenly jumps in, because he pauses, and there's, like, scenes of him thinking back to that conversation yes. with Sakurako about how, oh, you know, he's, he's kind of... Uh, good and gentle and bad yes um i guess he just gets a sudden rush of jealousy and he jumps in and kisses sakurako instead which i did not see coming yeah so she jumps he jumps in takes the kiss instead uh much to her disappointment disappointment (laughs) (laughs) she was quite upset yeah i found that like it was pretty funny as a scene but i also found it very interesting because him being so so like forward with his interests in Shen, yeah, and just lack of care of things. Like I didn't, I did not see that coming. What about you? I, I, I guess, I don't know. I can see it in terms of Mio being jealous and taking going in for the kill. I can definitely see that. Like you know, just take one for the team. And I think if you are in a partnership, I think it's perfectly fair to for him to be upset at that because you think it should be something that's kind of like. I think it would be better if Shun kind of turned his head to Mio. I was like, hey, is this okay with you? <laughs> if, if Mio gave his blessings, then you know it's probably better. But I can, you know, I don't yeah. think I, I'm not really surprised by that particular scene. <laughs> okay, so let, let's just create a hypothetical scenario. Sure, you're in, I guess, Mio's shoes. You have a partner, and I guess there's another third party, like some girl or somebody, sure, who demands a kiss from your partner. You know your partner doesn't like her at all. Yeah, and. He openly says that he likes you, not her. But yeah. he's willing to do this gesture for her for whatever reason, to help her move on or whatever. Right. How do you feel? Would you let it happen? Yeah, I think it's fine. It's just a kiss. I think I'd be okay with it. How about yeah. you? I think so. So, because then, because I have a follow-up question after this. Sure. So, for me, at least, I think I would be, I'd be okay with it. I'd be like, it, it was just a kiss to move on because he's all but, like, confessed his love for me. Yeah. 
so I'm I'm not worried at that point. Like we, we love each other and we're a thing now, so that's yeah. fine. And it's just to kind of appease her for like a small kiss. Sure, sure, whatever. Yeah, I think it's okay. But um, as you see, Mio gets super upset that he that Shin didn't even try to refuse. He just kind yeah. of went, okay, sure, and he just went in to kiss her. Yeah, he's a little tantrum uh, afterwards. Right, and yeah, so he has a little tantrum afterwards. But it got me thinking, which is like my my I guess follow up question. Sure. Would the sexual orientation play a role? Uh, of Mio liking girls? Uh, no. Of well, now that you mentioned it, maybe that too. But no, I was thinking if the sexual orientation of your partner and that third person is different, because because I thought about it in my head, if I was gay, yeah, I had a partner who who was going to kiss a girl. Yeah, because they're different sexual orientations. There's like two degrees of separation. So not only does he not like her as like like a person to person a romantic level, mm-hmm. but he also doesn't like her from a sexual orientation perspective. So because there's that two levels of difference, so to speak. Yeah, I don't feel as bothered by it. But okay, I ask myself, what if it was me and my girlfriend? Yeah, and this other girl. Or sorry, this other guy wanted to kiss my girlfriend. Yeah. I think that would actually bother me more. <laughs> okay, I can see that. That led me to the question of, did, does the sexual orientation matter? What do you think? Hmm. I guess, mm, I guess not in this scenario. I don't think so. I think like, I, again, I just, I think like, I just think of the situation not from the sexual orientation perspective, but just a straight, just straight up like the ro- romance part of it. That, that's not, was not okay, but. But it's interesting you bring that up, though. Yeah, I like I, I I can't help but deny it. I think I would be more upset. Yeah. If even if I know my girlfriend yeah. doesn't like the other guy and yeah. we're together. Yeah. But she was like, okay, yeah, I'll kiss him. Then I'd be like, whoa, what, what the hell? I, I think I might I might get mad. Like I think I, I might get mad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I think I think if the question is is Mio justified in getting upset? Yeah, I think he's justif- justified, but but yeah, I don't think sexual orientation is like. I don't think it's, it has much play play here. It's just it's just, it's just the action itself. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's shift over to the discussion on sex and like how forward. You can talk about the sex scene. <laughs> so this just I had a feeling <laughs> the, the the movie does not shy away from like raunchier moments. There's a moment it's quite w- explicit. <laughs> I mean, it, it wasn't like like porn level, but I would say maybe. He's, Softcore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, early in the movie, before before Shun reciprocated, you know they got into a fight. Shun perpetually encourages Mio to go find a girlfriend so he can have a happier life. And for me, that's just him tapping into his internalized homophobia. Pretty much a perpetual idea that you can only be happy with a girl, but not with a guy. So that's him kind of pushing people away so that he doesn't have to deal with you know his. The rejection, rejection issues, yeah, yeah, like the risk of, of him, of Mio rejecting him, yeah. So they end up getting into upset when they take a trip to the main island. Mio runs away, Shun tracks him down, and they book a hotel. Where immediately after they get into the hotel room, Shun slams him against the door and yeah. starts making up with him very aggressively. Yeah, that was a. Uh... That was a bit awkward for me. <laughs> uh, n- not because of them making out, but it, of how aggressive he was. So, like, I'm again, I'm just trying to think about that situation here. Not long ago, you guys had a fight. Yeah. Right? You're not sure if you like each other. You yeah. find out you do, which is great, and I'm happy for you. Yeah. And then you immediately just show me start start aggressive making out. And, and mind you, I think at the point of him making out with him, yeah, he didn't say he liked him yet. Yeah. Right. They just fought. Yeah. He's like, "Come with me." Yeah. You go to a hotel. Yeah. Slams you against the wall and just aggressively makes out with you. Now, I think Mio because Mio likes him, he's more okay with it. Yeah. But, but still, like, I, I think I would be shocked. <laughs> I'd yeah. be like, "Whoa, hold on, what the hell?" Like, so do you like me or not? Let's. And then he later confesses, like, "I've been like holding back for so long." Yeah. And it, it's basically like almost angry makeup sex, except, I mean. The, they didn't have sex because yeah much to Mio's disappointment and I, I love how he just says it too he's like 
they have a chat about their feelings and he's yeah. like let's have sex Miyoko's straight up let's fuck <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then he's like uh no i'm too tired and i'm like whoa what <laughs> like uh, and maybe it was all like emotionally this just happened so quickly fine but I thought in the heat of it, especially after that aggressive makeout session, yeah. that they'd be like, yeah, let's get it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think like later on, they did have actual sex. And part of it with Shun is that there was a lot of prep work done. And to his uh, to his credit merit, like there, when it comes to like gay sex, there's definitely a little bit more work to be done to prepare um, for sex. Like, yeah, the you know clean things clean up and all, yeah. yeah yeah so you know it and like i think that was probably the right call in the moment's time but martin just like throwing away the this putting this movie aside for a second right imagine you take a girl <laughs> take a girl you got you got in a fight you take her to a hotel room and you slam her against the wall to aggressively make out with her how do you think that would, that would turn out for you okay so first of all if <laughs> and i'm being fully honest here if it was a girl that I didn't tell her I liked her before, and I started doing that to her. I might get sued for like rape or some shit, man. Like, <laughs> I I don't think that's real, at least in a Western uh, context. I don't think that would fly at that, all. That touching a scene was a little bit. I was aggressive, man. It like, was kind of it was kind of unconsented. Yes, it, <laughs> from what I saw in my perspective, it definitely was. And maybe there's some level of Mio already liking him, so it wasn't as bad. Yeah. Sure, but. It looked pretty, uh, pretty forceful to me. Yeah, that would definitely not fly. I, I would get sued for rape. I'd be screwed. <laughs> You're fucked for life. Yeah, oh, yeah, hundred percent. I'd be fucked for life. Yeah, um, yeah, but they do end up having like actual sex later on. So if that's kind of not something you want to watch, folks, then you know, probably just skip that scene. I think it was more explicit in the, not in what you actually see on screen, but yeah. in their because they talk about it. And they verbally described like, oh, you know, I, I, I want you in me. Or um, I think there was a scene with like him putting his finger in him yeah. first. So that was relatively explicit, but you you don't actually see, you know, the the act of it. Yeah. Maybe At least. It's, the, it's just, go ahead. I was like, there's no explicit shots of the genitalia. If that's yeah. what people are worried about, there isn't. Mm-hmm. And um, it's kind of interesting that. They kind of go, it's really funny. It's like, oh, you loosened up down there. You know, I was like, tell me, tell me what you did so I can do it next time. It's like, it's like, oh, that's, that's got a really interesting communication. Like, very straightforward, very direct. And I think that's, that's something you should have, especially if you're like, I think great sex will come from like strong communication. Yes. And I swear, I think, I mean, just, just to get a bit offside note, I think there was, I took a course called the Psychological Analysis of Human Sexuality. Okay. And I think there was one unit or chapter where um, they talk, we talked about sex therapy and like, what's that like as a profession? Yeah. And that actually came up as one of the key things where great, a great sexual relationship comes from great communication and just being open with your partner about things you like, don't like, what are off limits, what are okay, mm. just how to be better at it. Because I think it's just as with all the other topics we've in all our previous episodes, communication is an incredibly important thing. And we don't know what each other likes or feels unless we talk about it. Right. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I, I think, yeah, I, I'm, I'm glad that they actually like to your point, I'm glad that they actually show that and what, what I guess sex could potentially look like Yeah. for people. I mean, I've, <laughs> I've never been in that situation myself, so I can't speak from experience, but Martin and I um, actually watched the movie together, and it was really interesting because I kind of had to coach him through, like, what are they doing? How does how would his position work? Yeah, like, there's some parts where I'm like, huh? I don't get. It. I'll <laughs> I'll take I'll take what I'm seeing as like their word for it, but I'm like, how does that work? Because like you have to you have to bend yourself in certain angles where you know certain positions to make things work. But I'm like, okay, yeah. I mean, they've achieved it, so <laughs> yeah. I mean. It was just interesting, just watching Martin squirm a little bit. It was fun. It was an interesting, interesting. Yeah. So, end of the movie, uh, Shun ends up deciding to go visit visit his father again. And uh, he invites Mio to follow along. And then the movie cuts to Mio visiting his parents' grave one last time on the remote island. And getting credits. 
why don't we talk about our overall impressions and you know you know give a rating over the movie one thing i did remember you talking about is the kind of the cliche at the end with the so mia was wearing a hat when he was visiting a grave and it oh <laughs> there's a gust that went and blew his hat off for a quick second um do you yeah. want to expand on that yeah so as like a side note i feel like I've, I've seen that a lot in virtually every anime that has a a graveyard scene and and folks maybe you guys can relate or or not you can let me know but in every scene where a character has like a family or friend who passed away mm-hmm. they visit grave they leave and then there's a gust of wind that pushes them uh, yeah. almost as if that uh, passed away family member or friend is like encouraging them to go forward on their journey mm-hmm. uh, kind of like a pat on the back and yeah so i guess that just stood out to me i'm like oh i like it's it's the same thing, and it, I'm I'm guessing because it's more of a, it's a cultural thing. Right? Yeah, I think uh, there's in Japanese culture there's um, the idea of you know your family members encouraging you to move forward, even if they've passed or fam or or friend. Yeah, but yeah, it's just it's just a side tidbit that I'm like, oh, they did that too. <laughs> yeah. So after reading a few reviews, and Martin will expand on his as well, is that the movie was quite short for what it is. It covered a lot of interesting things a lot of themes character developments but there was a definitely a it was definitely a mishmash of a lot of different things being put together really ha- haphazardly uh, for example at the beginning of the movie we mentioned that there was a time difference between 17 year old Mio and Shun and 20 year old but it wasn't explicitly shown a three-year difference it was all very implicit as well as uh, Shun's kind of there's a couple living there, Ari and Suzu, who are in a lesbian relationship, um, living at his grandmother's. That was not explicitly discussed. You kind of have to read a little bit of extra source material to kind of find that out. So uh, the movie itself is quite good for what it is. But however, I think there were gaps in terms of timelines, uh, in terms of gaps of knowledge that really made it hard to follow if you're the kind of person who likes to you know be to have a full grasp of the full storyline. Yeah. So I would say overall, I enjoyed the movie. I would give it a, maybe like a 7.7 out of 10. That's pretty good. Uh, yeah. I thought it was pretty good. Uh, not quite an eight, but as you mentioned earlier, uh, I do think there were a bit of, of gaps because, because ultimately I think this is a character piece between yes. Shun and Mio. Yes. We're looking really deep into these two characters. And so, and they got me. I was interested. I'm interested in Shun. I'm interested in Mio and learning more about them and their relationship together. But uh, these gaps, especially, it happens very early on. Yes. Like, I'm going to say, again, movie was about like 55 minutes to an hour, something like that. Yeah. And these kind of like initial story bits happened in the first maybe 10 or 15 minutes of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so uh, it kind of makes it a little bit harder for me to follow because I, I want to understand where they're coming from. The scene between Mio leaving, which mm-hmm. was like, oh, you know, and you go to the mainland, I'll be, I'll be back. Please call me. Oh, but I don't have a phone. Yeah. Cut immediately next season. He's, or sorry, next season, next scene, he's back. Yeah. And I, I think given that it's only three years, yeah. At least Shun didn't look drastically different. Yeah. He looked basically the same. He had almost the same kind of hair, same kind of clothes. Yes. To me, it was, it was just within that same time period. Yes. Uh, but then Mio comes back and I, I think to your point, Dan, like he does have like a different hairstyle or something. Yes. But it wasn't immediately apparent what happened there. And so right. what happened during those years? Did they keep in touch? Did they not? We don't know unless, again, you choose to go uh, do some reading a little further on. Yeah. And so it, I think it takes away. Sure. From the flow the, of the story. Not just the full story, but our understanding of these characters, which is sure. what ultimately the show is about. It's it's a character study. Yeah, think- and, and and so that's that's kind of like my gripes with it. Sure, I, I'm guessing maybe due to the budget or for whatever reason sure. they kept it to one hour. But I think if they extend it to an hour and a half, maybe yeah, or even just add an extra like 15 minutes, they could just stretch out a little bit of those scenes a little bit more, uh, fill in the gaps a little bit, and I think it would have been. Yeah. Uh, a stronger movie for it sure and i think there was room for that if you think about kind of there's some random scenes where they could have been taken out yeah for example there was one where when mio and shun got into a fight mio ran away and he ended up a drag re- drag queen slash bar that's a really weird scene i didn't i didn't get it at all so yeah, he, 
it, it was a so the, the to contextualize it was a drag queen standing outside of a bar presumably smoking yeah. and Mio runs up what? to in front of in front of her and just kind of pours his heart out and so, then <laughs> only to be reciprocated with here's my card honey come back anytime but I can't serve you alcohol but I'll happily serve you juice <laughs> yeah like I don't know it's just so random like I think first of all I I mean if I were Mio I wouldn't go up to a random random bar yeah and be like Hey, can you offer me relationship advice? Because I just got in yeah. a fight with, with with this guy. Like, like it's it's <laughs> like it's so random. I, I don't know. Like, so I don't think that scene itself added much, if anything. Yeah. To the film, like if they cut that, and they just fast forward to him being upset and calling yeah. Shen, and then they, they they talk it out or whatever. Yeah. I think it would have been fine, and I would have rather taken that amount of time it wasn't a long scene but sure that time and stitch it to the beginning and just let us see a little bit more of what happened between shen and mia it might have been just it might have been helpful to just like when you're when you're kind of introducing airy suzu or other people it might have been like it doesn't even have to be an animated extra few minutes of dialogue you could just be like white letters on a screen with the person's name and then brackets the relationship yeah, so I, I see that a lot as well in a lot of films and shows. Yeah. And it does help. Or, And maybe they want to be more subtle with this, but yeah. whenever there's a time gap, sometimes you see a, a three years later. Yeah, yeah exactly. Maybe, maybe, Bam, that's it. You're right. right. Maybe it didn't fit in with the art style because I think the art style is very, you know, your name, Makoto Shinkai, kind of style, very saturated tones. And that's not the art style they wanted to go for. Um, like it maybe wouldn't have fit it. Like the word, random words on screen might not have fit in. But would it have helped translate what they're trying to show? Definitely. Yeah. Uh, especially, again, given that they were forced into such a short time frame for yeah. a movie. Yeah. So I'm going to say, all in all, I think I agree with your rating in terms of 7.78. I'm going to give it an 8, just give it a little bit of a bump just because of how how it kind of breaks the norm of movies. And, you know, there's always going to be folks saying, oh, my goodness, this another queer movie it's like well there's only so many in your you know ocean of <laughs> I, I think there's actually again feel free to jump in if if anybody knows different but this is the only openly queer anime movie there, there there's there's a handful but that's oh, there are more okay there's well. a few but it's it's, it, it's it's a it's a handful you know what i mean okay in the ocean in the grand scheme yeah, of things not that many but i'm sure you'll have okay. few folks who will you know hold up torches like how dare you you know <laughs> But Whatever. anyway, so I give it eight. Um, there's definitely issues or improvements that could have been made. Um, maybe it's budgetary reasons, just putting in what the most important bits. I overall, though, still really enjoyed the movie for what it is. I don't think too hard when I watch a movie. So I think I'll still remember this movie quite fondly. And yeah, I think it's quite good. They had some random product placements that were kind of funny. Uh, Cocoa, Cola, Popsu. Yeah. <laughs> I guess for, for copyright reasons they they couldn't i mean show the, explicitly. The, the red the red sw- with a white swivel swirl is pretty obvious but yeah uh, and it- even the the, the pup sue so it's it's not pepsi but pup sue pretty obvious and you like people can tell what they were going for yeah um even I'm, the curry branding too yeah like, it, and it looks like it, i have seen the curry brand there probably yeah I, I've, <laughs> I've had that curry like i straight up i, I feel like it's I, mean, a, I, I can't see it's a, it's a yellow but... trays right with the exactly yeah, like yeah, yeah. i've had that the rue I think we we have some in our cupboard right now like, yeah <laughs> that's good shit i actually like that curry right um the instant curry but but yeah i don't know it's, it's funny i i chuckle every time i see it and it, like i think other animes do it too like i've seen in some apple computers i've seen pair computers yeah <laughs> yeah for sure and, and you other know. things like that it's kind of interesting though yeah. But yeah, um, overall, I think it's a pretty solid movie. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And yeah, would this be a movie you would recommend to people, Martin? Yes, absolutely. If they're not, I guess, shy or uncomfortable with more explicit uh, sex scenes or I guess queer scenes, then yeah, absolutely. I think it was pretty well done film. I enjoyed getting to know the characters despite being uh, a little bit rushed. Art style was very nice as well. I noticed that especially early on in the first five minutes, there was a few backdrops that were like hand painted yeah, and they were really nice. Yeah. 
I also really like the the very vibrant colors that they use, like pastels and saturations. Yes, it was like it was almost hypersaturated, but because it's an anime, it just looks very bright and vibrant, and I yeah. think it it helps set the tone for I guess the these two characters and this not always happy, but for the most part exciting and happy relationship that they have, yeah. and just getting to know them. So yeah, I would recommend it absolutely for sure. I, I would say the same. Anyways, folks, I think that comes to the end of this particular podcast. Thank you for joining us today discussing Umibe no étranger or stranger by the shore and check out our other episodes if you haven't already leave us a rating if you are able to and we'll see you folks in two weeks time any parting words martin nothing strong besides go check out this movie again if you're down and glad to have you listening up to this point if you're brand new even happier again and message martin if you're from outside Tell me if of, you're not a bot <laughs> if you're if you're from outside ontario canada we'd love to hear from you send us an yes. email because martin would like to know that you are not a robot yes in in all seriousness yeah if you found us just on your own or from whatever means i'd love to figure out or find out how and maybe just just to get to know you yeah because yeah in my mind maybe my my hyper skeptical mind nobody listens to our podcast except our friends <laughs> i mean i'm okay with that too but you know. which i'm okay with as well yeah. um but yeah would love to know so please do reach out you can find our email address in the description of this podcast and our dead social medias we'll and get our on, dead so- we'll get on that eventually yes i mean not dead do hit us up there and write things <laughs> <laughs> all right folks we'll see you next time bye bye guys bye